Got time for a quick story. Back in 1993, back when I was a uh, back when I was a freshman in high school and watching MTV, insert the usual back when MTV played music videos. But I was watching some some of the videos that were being played on MTV, and one came along from Lenny Kravitz. He had a new project coming out, and it was the first single in video from that project. The song was "Are You Gonna Go My Way." And I was struck by the imagery of the video. It was definitely a statement of where, I guess, culture and style was as we got deeper into the 1990s. A lot of 70s influence in particular. And among all the people dancing in this music video, I distinctly remember paying attention to the drummer. Wow, who's this drummer with a big afro? It's a, it's a female drummer. 15-year-old growing up, don't see too many female drummers. Didn't know at the time. It was Cindy Blackman. Did not know Cindy Blackman's talent. Did not know all the music Cindy Blackman had already performed and released. She has performed a lot over the years. She's now known as Cindy Blackman Santana. Got married to Carlos Santana several years ago. Has played with... Carlos Santana. She has played with a whole lot of musicians, and there are some really good musicians who have played with her on a new solo album. The album is called Give the Drummer Some. Came out not too long before the recording of this edition of Got Time for a Quick Story in September of 2020. And get a chance to talk to Cindy Blackman Santana in this episode. Santana, listening through... This album, it is chock full of all sorts of music. There are a few themes, at least from what I've gathered, listening through each of the songs. With the diversity of all of this genre, how would you describe the ultimate message of this album? Ooh, ultimate message. Um, that would be... Uh, one um, and there there are just three parts to it. One is to to have fun. Um, two is to um, grasp the messages that are in some of the songs. Um, and and three would be to uh, open up your mind to the creative process. When did you first think of doing the songs for the album? Because by my understanding, this is kind of built over time. What was the first time when you went, okay, I want to actually put stuff down to virtual tape, if you will, and start creating a whole album's worth of material? About three years ago, and I just felt that it was time for me to record because I hadn't recorded in a while. Um, And so the album definitely got shaped as we went. And it took a, a, a while to do it because everybody was on tour. We were on tour, um, and so you know we, we would would come in and record a little bit, and then have to go back out on tour and come back and record. Have to go out, you know. So it took a little while to put it all together, um, but it it came out in in a great way. So I'm I'm really happy. Um, and again, you, there the. The certain types to this, there's, I mean, the, the the fun songs. There are the songs with with a, maybe a particular message for our time right now. You know, listening to a song like Social Justice, for example. Um, there's some more, I mean, for lack of a better term, jazz songs. Like when Miles Away comes right on and I'm going, oh, okay, we're getting right back into her jazz background here. So 
you were you were describing the themes earlier on in a, a couple minutes ago, but it, how did each one kind of come as you're doing this? Did you sort of set to do uh, this this approach and this approach and this approach? How did it kind of come organically? How did that come in the whole timeline of the process? Both, you know, because there were things that I thought of that I wanted to to put and add and do, um, and then there were things that just happened organically, you know, because of the mix of people, because of the chemistry, you know, a lot of the chemistry, um, when I went in the studio to do the vocals uh, with Nardo Michael Walden, those things were very organic, because we just got into the studio and, and just started doing writing sessions, and then it just flowed from there. And with the instrumentals, a lot of that was organic, too, you know, because we'd get into the studio and, and, and you know, Maybe I brought an idea, maybe we just started playing, you know, um, just to find things and to get uh, a center. Um, so a lot of it was, was very organic and then shaped. Especially on those instrumentals, do you, do you find that that's more of a kind of arrange it, arrange it, and go in and do one take? Do you do multiple takes with, with whatever particular ensemble you have? And I'm thinking especially with maybe, well, I mean, the, the, the variety of pieces on this. Let's just say all, all of the instrumentals on this album. Did you find that to be more of a, let's go in and do a take and see what develops? How is the construction of those? A lot of them were just one take, you know. Some of them we did a couple takes of, but, you know, a lot of them we just did one take, like uh, Black Pearl, we did one take of that. Um, Twilight Mask, that was one take. We Came to Play was one take, you know. So a lot of that we just, you know, recorded right down, and then, you know, um, there it was. You know, if we needed to add something to it, we added, but, you know, we just recorded it down. So, you know, there was... Certainly, um, an, an organic process in that as well. Well, and and there are cases to be made for for both approaches of of the do multiple takes or as is often happens in the music industry. You you know, obviously, a lot of artists are going to comp in, comp out, and and assemble something perfectly. Then there's the approach of like you just said, go in one take. What comes out is. That's the feel there. Do you have a preference one way or the other? Is I mean, what's your take on on takes and having the having the impression as it comes out, kind of the flow of creativity versus let's fine tune this and get the right prod, right product to put out to the public. I like both, you know, because um, certain songs lend lend in certain moods and certain uh, atmospheres, and certain musicians lend to either, you know. So I like I like both. Um, I like the spontaneity. I'm, I'm a jazz musician, so I love the the spontaneity of of just going in and playing something and getting it down, you know, and doing that. But then sometimes, you know, you want to hone in on something, and that's okay, too. Because I was in the studio one time with, with Carlos, and we were recording with Wayne Shorter, and Wayne made an incredible comment. He says, you know what? I want to do that solo one more time, because we're making a movie here. <laughs> <laughs> I, want to, I want to refine my story. I want to add something to my story. We're making a movie. And I was like, wow. I never thought of it like that. And he's right. You're making a movie. You know, you, you, you have a story that, that you want to tell, that you want to share, you know. So sometimes it needs you to go back in and, and do something else, and sometimes not. And it's, it depends. 
yeah, espe- to what's happening. Yeah, especially someone like Wayne Shorter of, of all of all <laughs> musicians. But 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 <laughs> I know. But it reminds me sometimes of when you would hear the alternate versions of certain songs and. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is like a Miles Davis or someone like that, and you hear these different solo takes or a Coltrane. I'm, and again, I'm just going with the most famous names. And we could you could apply it to anyone, but each one ha- tells their own story. The solos are not identical. It's almost like you have like different types of movies, like a director's cut version and an alternate ending. They all all are whatever the artist wants. Absolutely, absolutely. It's what you know, whatever the artist wants, whatever you know they they want to put out to people, whatever it is that you want people to hear, you know. And some music has mistakes in it, but that's okay because it happened naturally. It's what happened in the moment, you know, um, and it's honest. And then then sometimes you know you want to go in and clean up those mistakes, and that's okay too because that's what you want to present. So it depends. Different people have uh, different personalities. I work with with some people who um, want everything to be letter perfect. Some people, if there's a little blemish here or there, they're okay with it. You know, um, it just depends, and it also depends on on I think on on the type of music that you're playing as well. And then you're singing. You mentioned that a, a little bit ago. And I was listening to the Sweetwater interview uh, from very, very recently, and what Carlos was saying about hearing you singing and kind of saying, like, essentially, let's put this on tape. Let's let's make make something of that. And reading about you going into singing on this album and preparing for that, and, and the thought crossed my mind of of fellow you know, just musicians from college and just, you know, people I grew up with that. Oftentimes, instrumentalists would be really good singers, but they wouldn't. But you wouldn't. Their focus was more on instruments. I'm like, well, that doesn't really surprise me. And obviously, to each their own. Everyone has their own talents with regards to to music and given musicians. How long have you been singing just on your own, or did you, did you ever feel like you could actually record yourself as a singer throughout your, all the decades that you've been involved with music? No. <laughs> No, not at all, because I'm a drummer, you know, and I, regardless of how many songs I sing on, I'm first and foremost and always a drummer, you know. Um, that's my, my love. That's my, my, that's my instrument. That's, that's part of my soul. It's part of my DNA, part of my makeup, you know, is playing drums. I love it. Um, I do like to sing because I, I love the sound of, of the human voice, you know. I love that tone. Um and I love that expression. And so I sing around the house all the time, like a lot of people. You know, I sing all the time around the house. You know, um, I sing songs, I sing melodies, I sing solos that, that I love that people play. You know, I hear Miles' solo that I love it, and I sing with it. You know, I sing the solo or Wayne's solo or Herbie's solo or something, you know. Um, but it's not something singing this much was never on my radar actually <laughs> I thought maybe at, at one point I thought maybe I'll do one song here or one song there but I never thought I would sing this many songs so this is definitely something new um, and certainly um, a, a surprise even to me <laughs> <laughs> how much work did you end up having to do to feel comfortable with what was ultimately being recorded you know what, at first I was just going for it, just singing, you know, um, and, you know, no training or anything. Uh, the song that I sang with uh, uh, 
on the Santana Isley record, uh, I Remember, which is a song that I wrote. Uh, I had no training for that. Um, I had no training for the first song that we did uh, from Party, Party Splash, no training for Dance Party, which, you know, was just a little kind of did that. It's not a lot of singing going on. But then I decided I needed to get a vocal coach, you know. Uh, so my sister is a, is a wonderful singer, really beautiful voice, and I asked her if she would coach me. And she says, well, I don't really do that, you know, but our friend Kedison does. And I was like, oh, yeah, Kedison's a teacher. So I called her, uh, Kedison Kai, um, and we started doing vocal lessons. And that was a big help because you need to know how to maneuver uh, your voice. You need to know how to not hurt yourself. You need to know how to use your diaphragm and, you know, how to breathe and, you know, all these different things. Um, and so she was very helpful. So that, that certainly has helped me. Um, and then Narda gave me a lot of tips, too, because, like I said, you know, I'm just like a novice singer. You know, I'm not a singer-singer. <laughs> I still don't consider myself to be a singer-singer, um, although I like I like doing it, you know. Um, but, yeah, I had, to, I had to get some help, for sure, so I could learn, and I'm still learning. What was the thing that maybe were, was most unexpected in terms of learning more proper vocal technique? Uh, I think probably um, the first time that I was ever able to um, hit a note and have it resonate um, in a big way and and have it be perfectly uh, in tune and perfectly full. You know, um, there are a couple of times when I've I've hit a note like that and. Um, I was like, whoa, that came out of me? <laughs> I guess these lessons are working. I got to keep practicing. <laughs> you know, but the whole thing of, like, you know, using the, the voice and, and placement of the tongue and, you know, that's all. Like, I was like, whoa, really? Okay. I guess I have to, 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 to work on that. Um, working on diction and, and, you know, a way to say words and to make them come out with proper diction but without making them sound stiff, you know. Mm-hmm. There were quite a few things for me that were kind of a surprise and, you know, uh, but but needed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, and you mentioned Narada Michael Walden and all the, the, the singers he's worked with before, the, the, the legendary voices of the pop rock R&B oeuvre, essentially. You had mentioned also in... One of, one of your interviews about about how he can how he would set like he could set you on a path. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was the essence of of what was in that that interview. Did you have any sort of different path before you started working with Narda, and then he kind of guided you a little bit in a, in a certain other way? Like, what's the process of how he guides you as a producer? Um. Yeah. Sure. I had I had a path absolutely um, because I had you know recorded. Uh, more than half the record prior, and I've recorded other records, so I definitely had a, a, a path. Um, but Narda is very good at making things have commercial appeal. I'm I'm more the creative, you know. Um, if it's commercially appealable, great. And if it's not, you know, if it satisfies my creative desires and needs, I'm happy. You know, Bernarda has a, a, a great um, uh, way and, and knack for making things commercially uh, appealable. 
so he certainly added that element um, in terms of like guiding my vocals. Um, he's great with knowing uh, how to breathe and where to breathe, what breath sounds are good, you know, what breath sounds sound sensuous and sound great and which ones don't sound good and you don't want to have, you know, um, which phrases to do the breathing on, um, you know, um, which phrases should be long, which should be short, which notes should be long, which should be short, which should be accented, how you act. He's very good at that, you know. Um, but, you know, to his tribute, he's worked with, like, the greatest of the great singers, you know, um, Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston, two of them. You know, he's worked with some incredible people. So he really has a big ear, and, and he's very melodic. You know, he he was telling me about his upbringing, and his father brought him up on melody, you know, so he was playing a lot of the things for me that he heard as a child, um, and that really um, trained and, 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 and groomed his, his melodic sense. So he's, he's really good with all that. There's a whole other sense of melody from the guitarists, the wide variety. Obviously, Carlos is on this, but of course, we've got, oh, yeah. we got Vernon Reed, John McLaughlin, Kirk Hammett shows up on this album. It, it's, a, it's an incredible mix. What, if, if there's a kind of a, sh- a short way, because I'm sure if I just asked you to expound on each guitarist, you could probably go on for, for hours here. So to keep it short, within the next couple minutes, is there like a quick sentence or two that describes the essence of the four guitarists in terms of, obviously there's one pretty close to you, but in, in terms of the context of this album, maybe I'll put it that way. Yes, absolutely. Um, I am, you know, this 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 record is a representative and a representation rather of guitar heaven, <laughs> because you have, you know, incredible melody, tone and texture, ideas, innovation, feel, vibe, fire, um, passion. You know, um, you have all of that. So these cats you know they're like the 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 greatest of the great and you have two huge icons in in carlos santana and uh john mclaughlin and then you have two young lion icons in vernon reed and kirk hammett so in it, it you know it, it's really got a vast array of um guitar texture and and guitarness <laughs> guitar heavenliness in this record the uh, the other thing i keep noticing with material that's released this year and in, in some of the other artist interviews i've had with new albums coming out are songs that seem appropriate for the current context of whatever we're going to call the whole thing of 2020 now it's become a verb in in, in effect especially with songs that in many cases were written before more and more kept happening. I, I mean, I'm keeping it very broad because you can go into the weeds and everything, but there's so much that's happened. But yet there seems to be so much music that is speaking towards what is happening right now. And with you having put this album together over the past few years, I mean, not that like society was wonderful and then suddenly January 1st hit and then kaboom. It's been kind of building and building and growing. It's kind of that sense in our society. Um is there any way that you see some of this music being, I don't know, for lack of a better term, prophetic is maybe the only word that comes to mind right now. But how would you describe this music landing right now in the autumn of 2020? 
You know, some of it would be prophetic because we didn't plan it. You know, we didn't know that this uh, pandemic was going to happen as we were recording these songs. You know, we had no idea. So some of them are just right on time in terms of the messages, in terms of the mood, in terms of the energy, in terms of the feeling. You know, like um, Imagine, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, what a an iconic uh, uh, message that song is. And we didn't know that this was going to happen. Uh, social justice, changes in your hands. We didn't know that this, those songs were going to really be able to, you know, be strong messages, you know, in this period. Um, they're strong messages for society in general, but we didn't know how needed messages are like that, you know, when we started recording this. Um, and, you know, the the creative aspects to inspire thinking, you know, we, we of course, we couldn't have, have known that. And just the songs to, to just let go and have fun and remember that life is good, you know, that we have love, that we have fun, and that, you know, people are inherently good at heart. You know, songs like that to just, you know, let you unwind and dance and have a good time. Um, we we had no idea how poignant they would, would be, and, and we keep getting, even though the record just came out, we're, we get a lot of messages about, you know, how timely these songs are, and, and, and people are really thanking us for it, and so I'm grateful for that. You know, it's it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's incredible what artistry can do. It's a worthwhile listen. Give the drummer some, the new album from Cindy Blackman Santana. Go check it out if someone's listening right now to uh, to, to this interview, to, to stream it, buy it, however to listen to it. It's definitely worth it. Cindy, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us uh, today and all the best as you continue with this project and all sorts of other projects to come in the future. Oh, thank you so much. My joy. And thanks for having me. Really good interview there with Cindy Blackman Santana. More information you can get about her at her website. That's cindyblackmansantana.com. That's spelled C-I-N-D-Y. cindyblackmansantana.com. That's where you can get the new album. You can learn a whole lot more about her. And yeah, what an extensive background. Incredibly talented. It's an honor to get to talk to someone with so much musical prowess and creativity and as I mentioned their artistry as well and you can follow along with uh, what she's doing on social media as well that's been the latest edition of the Got Time for a Quick Story podcast of course thanks to Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin my employer for providing facilities to do these interviews you can listen to these interviews as well at GreatestHits981.com, GreatestHits981.com. Uh, a lot of my interviews and a lot of interviews with, uh, for example, my co-worker at that radio station, John Murphy. He's interviewed some musical artists as well. Recent interview done with uh, Bill Medley, in fact. You can listen to all of those interviews at GreatestHits981.com if you click on interviews. You can also find this podcast, Got Time for a Quick Story, at a lot of the usual podcast uh, uh, dis- dis- distribu- distribution locations. You can go via Apple, Android, you go to Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and a lot more. Amazon's got it. Uh, and not only should you subscribe, but also rate this, preferably higher if you like it. It'll help spread the word around about this podcast. Got time for a quick story. I'm Luke Anthony.